0: like most parents, the hardest part of parenting isn't knowing what you should be doing. It's having the emotional bandwidth to execute on what you know you should be doing. But what if you could increase your emotional bandwidth? We're going to talk about how to do exactly that in today's episode. Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three. And you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics. And I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. I cannot wait to share today's episode with you. I'm interviewing my friend, Elizabeth Andreevsky today, and Elizabeth has built her entire business around the idea of coaching parents to handle their stress better so that they can show up to parenting in a way that feels good. What a cool idea, right? Elizabeth's official title is a Stress Coach for Christian Moms, and she's the host of the Emotionally Healthy Legacy podcast and a mom of four. So she is living her message every single day with her kids. In today's episode, you're going to hear about Elizabeth's journey to becoming a stress coach, and she's going to share four concrete effective and easy to implement strategies to help you start to widen your window of tolerance so that the hard parts of parenting don't get to you quite so much if we are not working actively to widen our window of tolerance then even little things just like our kids being kids arguing with each other playing loudly in the background not listening when we ask them to do something pushing back on our limits These moments feel so overwhelming and frustrating, and we end up reacting with this knee-jerk reaction that doesn't feel good to us or our kids. So if you are a stressed-out parent, this episode truly could change your life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited.
0: This is so fun that you're going to be on my podcast because I've been on your podcast and we had such good conversations about kids and anger and how they trigger us. And I want to talk today about how do we handle ourselves when we are triggered and we're trying to deal with difficult behaviors, right? Because that is so, so hard. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to the point where you decided, I'm going to become a stress coach for moms? Because what a cool idea. How did you How did you decide that's what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. So I want to tell you that I have four kids. So I'm speaking as I'm living this with you. My oldest is 11 and they're trickling down after that. And I struggled parenting with my third son. He was like little curious George on steroids. <laughs> he would get into everything. I felt like all day long, I was on high alert, trying to prevent him from doing something dangerous. And he seemed like he would not listen to me. So I was raised in a traditional parenting home and a conservative Slavic Baptist Christian background. And I was doing the traditional parenting with my kids because that's what my husband and I knew. We did not know any other way. And it was just not working with our third son. Like everything was just backfiring. And he was about almost two years old. And a friend of mine, she said, why don't you go to counseling, parenting counseling? Maybe they have some sort of suggestions for you. And so I reached out and I was introduced to respectful, positive parenting or gentle parenting, just kind of the way that you teach. And it was so new to me. I have never heard of this approach before. And I was really like drawn and pulled towards it. I really wanted that. A connection with my kids and being able to set a positive example for them, teaching them how to regulate their emotions. What I didn't realize at first is that all the work was happening with me. So, so much more than with my son, what happened is that all the sessions were just with me and not even my son. And it was all about learning and unlearning my old ways of parenting. I was introduced to the circle of security. I did like the whole training program with my counselor. And they talked about like the shark music and things like that, that really like resonated with me. And I really enjoyed this approach. I'm like, okay, this is great. I want to do this with my kids. This feels right. This feels a lot more aligned. And I would go home and I would try to implement it. And in the heat of the moment, everything would just go out the window. Everything I learned, it seemed like nothing of it would stick. Maybe one out of 10 times I could remember in the heat of the moment what to do. And I felt like I kept still losing my cool all the time. I felt like I was just failing and wanting to do better, but literally just could not. I was constantly reacting and going back to my old ways of threatening and wanting to even spank my kids because I felt out of control. And that felt super, super hard. I'm like, there has to be a better way. This cannot be so hard so hard. And so around the same time, like a couple months after I started counseling and like I was struggling through that, I was introduced uh, to um, Ali Casaza, and I ended up buying a course of hers, Unburdened. And Unburdened was a course about kind of creating rhythms and routines in your life, creating more structure in your day. And one of the things that it taught or encouraged moms was to get up in the morning before their kids. And then COVID hit. So like, all the kids are at home all day long. It's cold outside in Minnesota. And I started to get up in the morning before my kids. I felt like I had no excuse because my kids actually all slept through the night. So I didn't have an excuse. They all went to bed at seven. I would get up in the morning before them, two hours before my kids would get up. And I started to implement healthy habits that I learned from the course, but also from reading more books about self-development. As a Christian, I would read the Bible and pray, and then I would journal. I would read a book. I would sometimes move my body. And the biggest thing is I started to create stillness and proactively practice deep breathing outside of heated moments. So I would lay on the floor with my feet up the wall and set a timer for like two, three minutes, and just literally lay there in silence and take deep breaths. And I noticed a humongous shift in how I was showing up as a mom. My window of tolerance with how much chaos and kids' noise and kids not cooperating, I was able to tolerate and handle that way better without being reactive. I was actually able to remember things in the heat of the moment to start implementing the strategies because I wasn't as triggered. Why? Because I was meeting my own needs first. I was setting myself up for success first thing in the morning. And I just noticed a huge difference in how I was showing up. And then I thought, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I figured something out here that I was telling all my friends about it. And I thought, well, maybe if I start a podcast and share with other moms what I've learned, it might be beneficial. So I started a podcast called Emotionally Healthy Legacy and then started learning more and more and more. And that's how I became a stress coach for Christian moms. That's my story. I love that so
0: much. And there's so much in what you said that I'm just like, yes, yes, because I think what we don't realize, and I certainly didn't realize when I started shifting the way I was showing up as a parent, is that the work is not with our kids. The work is with ourselves and reparenting ourselves, unlearning unhelpful ideas that we got from being parented and even society, right? Society still pushes this like good vibes only happiness at all costs kind of approach to feelings. And we have to do that work we have to figure out what needs of ours weren't met when we were young and how to meet those needs now so that we can show up. And that's really, for me, when I was seeing kids, almost half my practice was kids before COVID. And one of the things I really kept coming up against was that parents would bring their kids to me for behavioral issues. And I got to the point where I said, I'm not gonna see your child unless you concurrently work with me. And Circle of Security is actually the program I did with the parents. And that's where the change would happen the change would happen from the parents doing that work. And it wasn't just circle of security, but as I was teaching that program, what I was realizing is that people needed more than just the strategies. People needed to know, well, okay, but why is it hard to show up this way, right? When I hear that shark music, why does my entire nervous system shut down and I can't respond in a way that's helpful? And so hearing how you kind of figured out how to pour into yourself and how to create stillness practice deep breathing. These are things that sound so simple, but I don't think we realize how incredibly powerful these things are. And so that's so cool that you recognize that you lived that story and then you've been able to help others through your experience. Because really, that's what we need is to focus on, okay, how can I show up differently. And the other thing I love that you said is how your window of tolerance changed. Because so often I will hear from parents, okay, but like every little noise is just overstimulating to me. It's so hard for me. They're just being kids and I want to fly off the handle. Well, that's a window of tolerance issue. And how can we then proactively increase that window of tolerance? So what do you tell parents when they come to you saying like, I I don't know how to implement these strategies? What would you advise that parents do to start to increase that window of tolerance?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because oftentimes moms ask me, well, I just in the moment don't want to be so triggered. You know, I just want to handle it better in the moment. But the truth is that if you are waiting until the heat of the moment to do things to help yourself, it will feel a thousand times harder. That's what I found that when I'm running and empty, when I'm burnout. out, When I have unmet needs, everything, especially with like parenting and this type of approach feels a thousand times harder. And so I start my mamas with teaching them proactively setting yourself up for success. And when you proactively pour into your cup on a regular basis, it doesn't really get on empty anymore. So don't wait until you're running an empty to do something about it. Fill it up consistently so then you're able to serve your family because oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes we really overreact and get a lot more triggered. It's because we're an empty and you have two amazing episodes about mom rage and you had one about self-care, how that, that is one of the reasons. Parents overreact and experience mom rage or parent rage is because they are completely worn down and exhausted. Being a gentle parent, being a respectful, positive parent, takes a lot of energy. It just does. And I think it is so important to to set yourself up for success so you're actually able to implement it. So I can share with you multiple things that I start out with with my clients that help them proactively set themselves up for success so they have such a higher window of tolerance when things are just not going their way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so helpful because that's really like we were saying where the work is. And so often we don't realize that the reason that these behaviors are so triggering is not just because of our own childhood traumas, because absolutely that's a piece of it, but how quickly and how knee jerk that reaction is really, we have some control over that piece. The more that we start to understand what's happening, we can pour into ourselves and start to create a little more space there for us to respond instead of react.
1: Yes, definitely. So first thing that I would always recommend is start with your basic needs. You absolutely have to. Everything feels so much harder and so much more triggering when you're exhausted, sleep deprived, and when you are hungry. I'm not joking. It will feel so much harder. Think about it. We know that about our kids. And our toddlers, right? When they're tired and when they're hungry, they're throwing fits, you know, they over exaggerate everything, but we don't think that about ourselves. Yes, we can tolerate way more than a toddler can, but realistically, these are basic unmet needs. And when they are unmet, our brain perceives that as a threat. They're like, oh, I need sleep. I need sleep. I need food. I need food. And so when you don't give your physical body what it needs, it's focusing all its energy on the fact that you're sleep-deprived and that you are hungry. And so it's not taking any of its energy to emotionally regulate. I mean, you'll you'll still be able to at times, but it's so much harder. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm just thinking
0: about what we were talking about before we started recording and how I was saying this morning that it just was one thing after another. And both of us actually have our kids home with us right now. Mine are tracked out from year-round school. Yours are home for spring break. And so it is really hard trying to function and do your work and do the normal things when all of your kids are home and you're not used to that. And so, yeah, this morning was one thing after another, after another. And I kept trying to make breakfast for myself, but of course I made breakfast for the kids first and then this needed attention. And then they had an argument and that needed attention. And as soon as I finally sat down to my hot breakfast, my muddy kids came inside from being out in the rain and they needed me. And I knew that was going to happen. I felt so just like I had such a short fuse because I hadn't eaten. And that's such a basic thing, but it really makes a difference. And it's not just that you physically haven't met that need, but it can start to trigger narratives like, what am I not important? I'm the last one to mm-hmm. eat. No, my needs don't matter. Nobody cares about me. And that's not true. But when we don't prioritize ourselves, we can start to feel as though everyone else around us doesn't prioritize us either. And the truth is, we just need to prioritize ourselves.
1: You are so right. And you know, sometimes that includes telling your kids no. Sometimes my kids like, oh, can you help me with this? And I know it can wait. And I say, you know, I will help you after I eat. Yes, I need to eat and take care of myself. So I am a lot nicer (laughs) and a lot kinder (laughs) to you and your siblings. Or sometimes my kids want me to lay down with them at night. And many evenings I do, but sometimes I say no, not tonight because I need to get some rest and go to bed earlier. And that is like a practical way to prioritize your needs as a parent, which includes sometimes saying no to your kids and telling them that you matter too. Yes. It's not that you matter more than them. It's that you matter as well. Yes. And if we don't create that space and we don't set
0: those boundaries, then our kids are not going to do that for us. And I think we forget that sometimes. And in the gentle parenting world, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what it looks like to be a gentle, conscious, respectful parent. A lot of times people think that means always laying down with your kid if that's what they need or want in that moment. That that means always being available the minute they ask for help. But the reality is it's really about what works for both of us in this moment. What am I available to do in this moment and what do you need and where can we sort of meet in the middle because if we constantly go out of our way to meet our kids' needs, A, we're still not going to meet them perfectly because we're human. If we are shooting for perfection, we are always going to fall short, always. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, it really teaches our kids something that I don't think we want to teach. We don't want to teach them that everyone else's needs matter before your own. So we have to model that too, So that can mean shutting the bathroom door when your toddler wants to come in and you get to use the bathroom in peace. And that's exactly what I did this morning, right? My husband happened to be downstairs and thankfully he took care of the muddy kids. But there are many mornings where I say, you know what? Please don't anybody ask me for anything these next 10 minutes because I am going to take care of my body and eat. And they do typically respect that, but we have to give ourselves permission. Tonight's not a night I can sit with you. My eight-year-old asks me all the time, can you come up and lay in bed with me? And like you, Mm -hmm. when I can, when I'm available to do that, I do. And we have some wonderful conversations. There are other nights where I say, I love you so much. I want to spend time with you. I value that you're asking me. Please keep asking me. But tonight... I need to go downstairs and just be by myself for a little bit. And we have, to, yes. we have to give ourselves permission to do that. It's not gentle parenting to just say yes to everything.
1: Yeah, you're right. And you know what happens when my kids ask me and I feel like I need that time for myself and then I'm like, no, you know, I'll lay down with them. I actually resent them. Yep. That actually, that's what comes up. I'm like, because then by the time I'm done with them, then I don't have any time for myself because it's getting late. And then I feel resentful that I, I just gave too much and did not pour into myself at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The resentment that comes up toward our kids that's not fair to them, right? They didn't ask for us to overextend ourselves. They made a request and that's their job that's their job to make the request. It's their job to ask for the world. And it's our job to figure out what of that we can actually deliver.
1: Yes, you are so right. I I think as you become more of a parent and you have more experience, you will learn a little bit more when to say yes and when to say no. And sometimes when you say no to your kids, you feel guilty. But when that guilt comes in, you ask yourself, am I actually doing anything wrong right now? No. No you're not. And you can create either a mantra or a statement that I had to do for myself, but now I don't use it as much because I don't really feel guilty as much anymore when I say no to my kids. But I would tell myself, In order for me to show up as a best mom for my kids, I need to take time for myself or I show up as a better mom for my kids when I fill my own cup. And so when I feel guilty, I would say something like that to myself to help myself pull myself out of that, you know, guilty spiral.
0: Yeah. So what's an example of something you might say? In that moment, because I know that guilt comes up for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and then I would ask myself, like, am I doing anything wrong right now? No, I'm not. I would tell myself, I'm a good mom who needs time for myself. I'm a better mom when my needs are met. Nobody benefits when I'm running an empty. Yeah, nobody suffers when I take care of myself. And so I would say something along those lines to support myself and help myself feel better in that moment. And sometimes you will still feel the guilt, but guess what? The more you practice it, the less it feels over time. That's what I have found. And that inner talk is also really important to redirect those thoughts when the negative ones come in.
0: Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? The guilt is a feeling. So if you're feeling that guilt, acknowledge it. You can even speak to it. Oh, hey, guilt, I see you, right? I see that you're here. You're here because I love my kids so much and I just want to do right by them. And that makes so much sense. It makes sense that I'm feeling this right now. And, right, both things are true. And I get to show up for myself and I can't pour from an empty cup literally nobody benefits when I burn myself out. I love that. So, okay. So let's say we've taken care of our basic needs. We've made sure that we prioritize eating when we need to and getting the sleep that we need to, even if that means we let our kids be disappointed when they want us to lay down with them at night. What would the next step be to really getting that window of tolerance a little bit wider?
1: So one of the things that... helped me increase my window of tolerance besides meeting the basic needs. I think it was creating a pocket of stillness and to calm my nervous system. So that can be in the morning, like before your kids get up. um, If you have that time for yourself, if you don't, I would highly encourage you to get up maybe 10, 15 minutes, unless you have like a tiny, tiny little one. I know how sleep is at that season, but that helped me to just, creating some peace and stillness. Because realistically, you and I both get it. When your kids are up and awake, you are go, 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 go all day long. You just do. Yeah. You, and you have to create that time for yourself to like literally just sit in silence and breathe. So I would make myself some coffee and I'd sit on the couch and I would just take some deep breaths, just silence, just quiet and silence and calm my nervous system. Sometimes I would say a positive mantra or affirmation. Sometimes I would visualize a safe place. Sometimes I would just pray. But having a moment of silence and peace, like just even a few minutes. Sometimes if it's midday and I drop the kids off at school and they just got home and the little one is sitting in the car and she's quiet, sometimes I'll do it then. Sometimes it's right before I pick up the kids at school and I'm sitting in that carpool line. And, you know, instead of just listening to things or playing music or something, I will just close my eyes and, you know, put the car in park or whatever, and then just take some deep breaths, just calming peaceful breaths before I get the kids all in the car. And then, you know, they're fighting with each other and stuff like that. And so things like that, just creating a pocket of stillness, something that will calm your nervous system, increases your window of tolerance. What are your thoughts? I love that so much.
0: We are living a life where we could be stimulated constantly if that's what we choose, right? And sometimes we're not even choosing it. It's just sort of the default. We're scrolling on social media, looking for that dopamine hit. We are constantly putting on a podcast or the radio, or maybe the TV for background noise. That's not me. I can't do the TV for background noise. It drives me crazy, but I will like seek out a podcast sometimes or put on music when really what my nervous system needs is just that stillness. And I also love calling it stillness. That's actually what I say as well, because I think a lot of people will say you need to meditate or you need to do this very specific thing. And while that can be really great, it can also feel really overwhelming. And like there's a lot of rules around how to do it. Stillness can really look however you want it to look. And I know that for me, sometimes I just go sit on my porch sling out back and I like look yes. at the sunset and I just sit there being in nature. And that really helps reset my brain, my nervous system, my body to be able to go back and show up for the kids. And so when you get up before your kids, use that time wisely. Movement is great, but stillness is equally important.
1: Yes, and that is one of the most important things I want to tell you. If you get up in the morning before you get your kids, and I encourage you to do so, do not be on your phone. It is so tempting. I totally done that myself before, but what that makes you is more anxious, more frustrated and agitated. It's not helpful at all. And so keep your phone in a different part of the house if you need to, but use that morning time to create a healthy habit that is actually going to support you. And then, like you said, I, I actually live in Florida, so it's nice most of the year. But even when I lived in Minnesota, I would, especially in the summertime, sometimes my husband's not home until late in the evening and I have to feed the dinner to my kids by myself and I will give them dinner. I will turn on some screens for them for my own sake. Mm -hmm. And I would grab my dinner and I would go sit outside and just sit there in silence, leave my phone in the house and go sit and just watch the nature. And even that five to 10 minutes so calming and you come back in a lot more grounded and collected versus, okay, you go outside, but you scroll on your phone and Instagram, you come back and you're a lot more triggered with your kids again.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I think that's such a great point. And I remember doing that a couple weeks ago. My husband had put Bluey on for the kids. We don't normally do screens with dinner, but like you said, sometimes it's just sanity. And so it was like a special thing. We're like, okay, you can watch Bluey while you eat. But the noise of the TV plus the kids kind of talking and just, it was all so overstimulating for me. And so I said to my husband, I was like, I'm gonna step outside and I'll be right back. And I did, I just, I took my plate with me and I went and sat by myself outside. I don't think I was out there, but five minutes. And when I came back in, I legit felt like a different person. I was like, okay. I'm ready. I can do the chaos of bedtime. So that is such a good point. So this has been so, so, so helpful. So we're talking about meeting our basic needs, creating pockets of stillness. Is there anything else that you would say is game-changing for parents in this realm of sort of creating a wider window of tolerance?
1: Yes. I would leave you with one more practical thing that you can start doing Today And that is turning off notifications on your phone. We talked about overstimulation and that is a real thing. And that will contribute to you feeling easily agitated and losing your cool way quicker when you are having so much noise and chaos plus the kids needing things, and then someone's texting you, especially like a group thread or something, you know, that never ends. And so, and then the TV is on and someone's having an iPad on. I would encourage if your kids are on an iPad, give them headphones. So then less noise and turn off the TV. If you can turn off all your phone notifications, just literally leave like your spouse or emergency contact, even your text messages, turn off the notifications if possible, unless it's like maybe work related, but even then maybe after a specific time in the day, turn that off because that will create that overwhelm and overstimulation and will contribute to you easily overreacting.
0: I love that. That's such a great point because when you are getting notifications, especially from apps, right? That's a little different than maybe a text from your partner or whatever else you might be needing a phone call. But when we're just getting notifications from this app or that app or this news story, it's somebody else dictating what we're going to focus on. We're not choosing our day at that point. And that is so important that we are choosing what we're going to be present for and not getting it thrown in our face. So I love that. That's such a simple one that you can literally do today. That's so helpful. Well, Elizabeth, this has been such a great conversation. So so helpful. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do?
1: Yeah, so I have a podcast called Emotionally Healthy Legacy. And then I have a free resource that I put together for your listeners. It's five things that you can do when you're feeling triggered to calm down. And it's at emotionally healthy legacy slash raised resilient. And yeah, just download that a resource and I think it will be really helpful for you.
0: That's amazing. And I'll also put those links in the show notes as well well thank you so so much this has been such a great conversation thank you for having me I so appreciate you listening and being here it really means the world to me and if you are enjoying this podcast leave a review and share with someone who could use this message I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world we spread the word about raising resilient kids about being cycle breakers So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids until next time we've got this.